So you, if you've uh, been around the last couple of weeks, I've tried to play a song at the beginning that would relate. And uh, a number of you prophets said, I think I know what song you're going to play next week, knowing that Ecclesiastes 3. And so that that's, uh, was the song. And that song by the birds, um, uh, Turn, Turn, was based, and the words came straight from Ecclesiastes 3. I think it was Pete Seeger, actually. Those of you that are taking notes who wrote that, and the birds who, who sang it in the, um, the 60s, um, I think. But you know what? I think that song um, has it wrong. The, just the, the tune and the, the, the flavor that it is, you know, it's just too nice and easy. Da, 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 da. That's not life as I know it. I wish it was. You know, I wish, if, if, as the writer of Ecclesiastes is trying to say, you know, this is the fullness of life and just how crazy and hectic it can be, you know, I think the soundtrack for Ecclesiastes should be this. More like a roller coaster. That's how this should be read. You know, maybe, maybe you know something. If you want to read Ecclesiastes three, you should read it like this: For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die and a time to plant and a time to pluck up and a time to be planted. And a time to kill, and a time to heal, and a time to break down, and a time to build up, and a time to weep, and a time to laugh, and a time to mourn, and a time to dance, and a time to throw away stones, and a time to gather stones together, and a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, and a time to seek, and a time to lose, and a time to keep, and a time to throw away, and a time to tear, and a time to sow, and a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, and a time to love, and a time to hate, and a time to war, and a time for peace. That's how Ecclesiastes 3 should be read. Because that's more of the ride of life that we buckle up for. Now, a, a number of, of you have... Um, have met Dennis, our new assistant pastor. And now, if you haven't, you saw him today, you know who he is now. And we've agreed, all right, we're buckled up. We're ready for the ride, right, brother? Yeah. Whatever it brings. So with that in mind, let's take a look at the full of Ecclesiastes 3. And I'll read it again and some of the passage after it, all the way through verse 15. It's found on page 537 and 538 of your pew Bible, or you can follow along on the screen. Let's pray together. Gracious God, help us now to to hear your word, to, to, to live your word, to understand and to obey, to trust you as we hear your word together. May your spirit be at work in us for the ride that you have for us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I'll read it without drama this time. 
For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What gain have the workers from their toil? I have seen the busyness that God has given to everyone to be busy with. He has made everything suitable for its time. Moreover, He has put a sense of past and future into their minds, yet they cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I know that there is nothing better for them than to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live. Moreover, it is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in all their toil. I know that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done this so that all should stand in awe before Him. That which is already has been, and that which is to be already is, and God seeks out what has gone by. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Seasons come and go. Just like uh, we ride the roller coaster, there are twists and turns, unseen curves that jerk us around. Tremendous falls at times and then climbs and even going upside down a few times. And what the writer of Ecclesiastes says is in the seasons of life and the full pendulum swing of it all as at times may jerk us around or take us down. We as followers of Jesus are to learn to mature, to grow every day in total dependence and obedience to God. Total dependence on God's faithfulness and obedience to God's wisdom. That is maturity in faith and righteousness. The hills and the valleys that we speed through, down and up, and twist through the nature of this ride. Now, you you could read this passage, and you see where I got the title from, especially the first part, where he goes back and forth from every time. You know, there's a love to hate, time to love, and a time to hate, a time to sow seeds, and a time to plant them, and then a time to pluck things up. It's a time for war and a time for peace. You could read that and even say, well, I mean, is everything relative here? 
Are there, are there no absolutes? You know, is, is each situation unique and requires its own unique response? Well, there's some truth in there. Don't worry, we'll, we'll get to it a, a little later because there's also a fatal flaw in that notion of everything being relative. But there's some real truth. As the writer of Ecclesiastes said, I mean, life swings back and forth from, from joy to great sadness, from explosive growth to explosive destruction. But there, there are absolutes, right? I mean, aren't there commandments? Aren't there, you may be asking, there are commandments of God. Well, yes, there are. And, and what's the greatest commandment that Jesus taught us? To love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. goes back to the initial point of this passage. To love God is to know Him. To love God is to obey Him. So yeah, they're, they're, that's the absolute. In everything that we do, we seek to love God. Every day we seek to grow in Him. And, and we know what that takes. That means being in community with one another. Having spiritual conversations. Inviting and challenging one another. As we seek to follow after Jesus. Seek to obey God together. Yeah, it's not rocket science. That's what He's calling us to. Simply. To love God. It's simple, but not easy. And we're called to love neighbor. What does that mean exactly? Does that just mean be nice? Just smile? Just put on the facade of, of sweetness every day? No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that. Because there's, there's times to love and there's times to hate. You know, there's times for war and peace. There's, there's times for grace and there's times for truth. And this is where the roller coaster analogy, as all analogies do, they fail. Because it's not just that we get on the ride, buckle up, and then have no responsibility. This roller coaster ride that we're on is different than any other roller coaster. There are four way stops. There are forks in the tracks on this roller coaster ride. There are places where we maturing Christians, and by maturing I don't mean physically, I mean spiritually, that we're growing in our Christ-likeness. And God takes us to deeper and deeper places, to greater and greater challenges, so that we might mature and grow deeper and deeper in being like Christ. And that's where the responsibility of our relationship with God and with one another is that we take steps of obedience or disobedience and we learn. For example, you can, you know, this example that relates, I think, for us and, and what we encounter being a church in the city and in an urban setting. You know, it's regular that some of you, when you leave here on Sunday mornings, you go in the parking lot, or even in the atrium, or maybe even in the pew, that an individual you don't know will ask you for money. That happens. It happens when you're in the street, when when you're driving, you know, and there's people on the side of the road asking for money. Or if you're downtown. I mean, it happens. Well, how do you love that person? How do you love God and love that person in that situation? That's part of the 
roller coaster of life. Well, well, which is it? Is this a time for war or for peace? A time to embrace or refrain from embracing? I think part of the reason God brings situations like that to make us uncomfortable. I've talked to a number of folks that that just makes us uncomfortable. You You don't know how to respond to that. Well, think as we look at the whole of this passage our gut reactions say alright God what would you have me do and we can look at the scriptures and the scriptures also they give us the guidelines in a sense give us the tracks to run on but there's still the decisions of wisdom that we have in making well how do I encounter with this person I mean, the Proverbs, the wisdom literature itself is clear. There's, there's all kinds of words about giving to the poor. And there's also all kinds of words about those people, everyone needing to work. There's even Proverbs that say, you know, there's times not to give. As an example, if someone is an alcoholic and... They're going to take that money and go um, buy Old English, 900, uh, which is malt liquor, over at the convenience store. It's not the most loving thing to God or to them to give them $5. So in that case, there's no hard and fast rule. There's no, I know we'd love to have a policy, wouldn't we? Wouldn't it be great? Here's the policy. You can give up to this amount if they say please. You only give this amount if they're, they're mean and you give uh, nothing um, if uh, you know, they smell like alcohol. It'd be great to have a policy, but you know what that would do? That would truncate the very purpose of life, and that's to grow in maturity with God. To have to ask, All right, God, what's the wise decision here? I will tell you this, more often than not, someone asks for money on the street, you're better off saying no. More often than not. But you never know. Because the writer of Hebrews says, be aware because you might be entertaining angels unaware. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, give to those that ask you. We've already, I've already said and agreed, you know, if an alcoholic is asking for a drink, it's not loving to give them a drink. So, so you see the challenge of life, that it's a roller coaster ride. And what it forces us to do, what it calls us to do, even in the deepest, most challenging times, is to cry out to God, to walk with Him, to trust His faithfulness and seek His wisdom with God's people. Now, I know you're really frustrated. I didn't give you an answer, a real nice policy to follow when somebody comes and asks you for bus fare. And I think I would be giving you a disservice if I gave you any other answer than to say, well, be wise, know the realities, but seek God's wisdom in the moment. Another way that our life is really like a roller coaster is that there are times that we are taken on turns, that we are taken on loop-de-loops that we don't want to go on. 
disasters, disease, mental and physical, destruction. It's around us or within us. A number of you yesterday attended a funeral for a two-year-old. Most of you don't know this. It's sort of an odd place to, to tell you because some of you won't get beyond this, but Carol Schubert, who's been teaching three- and four-year-olds since I think I was born, has been diagnosed with cancer. And we'll be sure to pray with her. And each of you know the reality of being on this ride when, when turns are ruggedly sharp and you don't want to be on it. And that's where the Lord leads us, invites us to trust in His faithfulness even when the circumstances don't encourage us to do. It's why regularly we pray, Lord, we want to celebrate You no matter the circumstances. Because You are faithful regardless. Now, there's, there's, so there's lots of, of truth and, and reality in, in this whole notion of you know, life is relative. That we're, we, it's a dance. It's a ride that we go back and forth. But, do you want to stop there and just take a, a little moment and say, you know, let's think about the term everything is relative. This is sort of a common phrase uh, today. If everything is relative, then is the statement everything is relative relative? Now, another, another way to say it, if there, if there are no absolutes, then is the statement there are no absolutes an absolute? You can see how logically this isn't working, and now we're like, okay, wait a minute, my brain hurts. You know, that happens on roller coasters too. And I've discovered that the older I become, the more my brain hurts when I get on a roller coaster. And I think that fits with life too. The older I become, my naivete and innocence, it's squashed. (laughs) Sometimes crushed. Because what the the writer of Ecclesiastes wants to say, yeah, there's a lot of relativity, a lot of movement, a lot of responsibility and, and place for growth and wisdom as we face the issues of life. But there is a trust and a dependence on the one who is absolute. The one who does have all in his hands. I want to look just again at the... The last part of the passage, often we read the first uh, eight or nine verses, but don't read and, and look at the last. Just to catch that again. Verse, verse 11. He has made everything suitable for its time. Moreover, He has put a sense of past and future into their minds, yet they cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to end. I mean, what that passage is saying is, listen, this is all in God's master plan. God is not surprised. God is not shocked. He's not startled by what's going on. God is above and sovereign to all that He sees. Matter of fact, God sees all of existence as one still picture. God is present in past, present, and future all at the same time. 
Yeah, I know. My mind hurts too, just thinking about that. But that's the, the reality of God's sovereignty. And even mentioned here, you know, and he's, that, that God gives us that sense of being beyond ourselves because He's even put in our hearts, in our minds, that, that reality of eternity. You know, where uh, it, it, I think it's the New International Version it says it really well that God has put eternity in our hearts. That we know there's more than ju- to the ride than just what we see, just what we experience. We know there's a spiritual reality that is greater than time and space. Verse 12. I know that there is nothing better for them than to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they live. Moreover, it is God's gift that all should eat and drink and take pleasure in all their toil. In a simple way, this is wisdom literature. So, I, you know, sometimes wisdom can move into cliche, and there is a little bit of a cliche here of you know when you're given lemons, make lemonade. Because God is the one that's in control. God is the one, as Paul says in Romans 8, who is turning everything in for good. And good, he then defines as growing in maturity, making you and me more and more like Christ. Even in those sharp turns, even in uh, going upside down, or even the place when it, the bottom falls out, we lose our stomach. And it's painful. And it hurts to recognize and see God's gift in the full range of humanity. At every turn, to turn to God. It's interesting uh, you know, Friday, Friday night, we had the uh, church party, picnic, and uh, pool party. And um, it got cut short because the storm came through. But, but even then, as everybody was bringing up their cell phones to me and saying, Hey, see the storm? It's coming. It's coming. Okay. What, what did they say, though? Then they said, So let's pray. Let's Let's pray. In a simple way, to simplify this, that those curves, those, this, that's a small example, are the times when we recognize the truth that we are out of control. That we don't have control. That God is the one in control. And it's at that time when the bottom falls out and the, the corners are sharp that the, even the gift of that time is that we cry out to the Sovereign One. Say, God... Give us wisdom in this. Give us care. Give us peace. We trust in you even we don't like one bit what's happening. It's part of being on the roller coaster. And we know what's going to happen. We, we know generally, but we don't get to say when and where and how a lot of times. Verse 14. I know that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done this 
so that all should stand in awe before him. That's that's so that phrase there. That's God's design that in every way, everything, that God redeems even the disasters, even the diseases, even the destruction, so as to turn all to to worship Him, to adore Him, to, to love Him, to be in awe and marvel at Him. That's the purpose of life. The purpose of the church, that's our reason for gathering together, is to grow in our awe and wonder, our trust, our obedience and God's, to God's love. That's the ride that we're on. Just like when we heard the soundtrack. You know, there were people screaming, crying, laughing. Make it a point next time you're at King's Island. You know, go with the, uh, watch people get off the ride. It's all on the same ride, and you'll see all the whole gambit of human emotion right there. Of joy, of sadness, terror, horror, even anger. Why'd you put me on that thing? <laughs> and that, brothers and sisters in Christ, is the ride that we're on together. More, more trustworthy than the beast, which is a roller coaster at Kings Island, if you don't know. More trustworthy is the faithfulness of God. So let's buckle up, get on board. See where he takes us together for his glory, his honor, and our maturity and growth in him. Amen.